Hello everyone and welcome back to the Boundary AFLW podcast. My name is Nick Tankerpontis. My name is Chloe Malloy. Drop the still. Yep, I got I got Yes, I am dropping it. I could see it For on no your particular reason. I could see it on your face just as you were saying your name, you sort of like the tension of <laughs> God, I can't say it. Um Thank you for, for tuning in to us for another week. We're apologizing. Oh, sorry, we're apologizing. We apologize for not having a show last week. Obviously, the COVID lockdown circumstances made that a bit difficult. Um, I'm sure you're all well aware of how that goes. So we're back and it's mid-season review time. So on this week's episode, we'll be speaking to uh, retired Geelong superstar, Channel 7 uh, commentator and All-Australian selector, Melissa Hickey. And we'll be doing an in-depth, in-depth mid-season review with her. Um, but before we get to that, we're going to go through the news. We're going to go through our questions without notice. We're going to go through Chloe's pies, keeping North Melbourne goalless on Saturday <laughs> night on, in the first footy game at Marvel Stadium with a crowd since 2019. Because there wasn't any. No, last time, last game played there was uh, us versus Melbourne, I'm pretty That's sure. That's right. So there was an AFLW one there. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So first game in over a year. And we had that. Jersey on that had like the superhero thing. Oh yeah, that was pretty. Bad. Yeah, I tried to erase that out of my mind, but it's just kind oh, of. And that was the day that Ash Brazel went down, wasn't it? Yes, it was actually. That was not a good one. No, unless you're a Melbourne fan, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so well, before we get into our questions, there's a bit of news floating around. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably either know whether Maddie Presparkers has beaten her charge of uh, rough conduct or or not. Um, we're obviously recording this on Wednesday morning, so we know that she is challenging and we know that Carlton will be attempting to lower the grading down from medium to low to make it a reprimand and allow her to play North Melbourne this weekend. What did you think of, of the incident? I thought it, it was pretty rough. Um, Hosking obviously went off um, but came back on and finished the game and I just think that's, I don't know, I'm a bit funny about this. I think, um, you know, it was a very, obviously the tackle was intentional so it can't be graded unintentional but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the way she dropped her and, like, I don't think she meant to hurt her, but I think in a way it was a tackle with intent because it was a fiery game. It was like, you know, we we sometimes talk about making players earn the footy and I think that's what Press Parkers was doing. And I don't know, I think I think if Carlton weren't versing North that they wouldn't try to appeal this. Um, but the fact that they're versing North Melbourne is why they're trying to get her off because they know that they need Press Parkers this week, whereas... Yeah. Possibly if it was a, you know, for, for say like a Gold Coast game, mm. then they would just take the week. So I, I'm honestly not too sure of how, what what evidence they're going in with because if you watch the tackle back, it looks it, it looks pretty painful. It looks ugly, doesn't it? And Hosking obviously goes off for the concussion rule. I'm sorry, concussion test and then comes back on and obviously has no symptoms. So that'll be the key. It'll be Richmond's medical report. Hosking, Hosking's own say in it, and I'm sure she'll look after her own former teammate. But, yeah, I don't think Carlton can beat North without her. So from a very biased point of view, I would very much would like Chris Barkers to get off, but to me, that's a week. Mm-hmm. That's a medium impact. That's intentional, and that's careless. So to me, that's a week. But <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Really just, hope I'm wrong. And just the way her neck, like, it, mm. watching the footage back, it just makes you cringe because... I don't know, especially with what happened um, with Noffy and Bridstack. You just look at that and you're like, oh, you know, one centimetre a different way and and that's like, you know, that could have been a broken vertebrae for Hosking and it wasn't, but, and I know you can't go off the fact that it could have been, it's, it's, you know, you got to focus on what did happen, but yeah, that's, that's my two cents of it, that if they weren't versing North Melbourne this week, then Mm. I don't think we'd have a tribunal hearing tonight, but because they are. That's why it's happening. There's been a bit of talk. I know David King wrote something for Fox 40 about tackling an AFLW. He thinks there's not enough care about the result in terms of like maybe it's not knowing strength well enough or not, or maybe like the difference in weight between players in men's and women's, but there's a lot more dangerous tackles and we're mm-hmm. seeing we're seeing MRO things pop up every week. Do you think it's an issue or do you think it's just a coincidence? That- oh, no, I actually do think it's an issue. Um, it's something I thought about last week. There are a lot more dangerous tackles. I think I brought it up on the podcast. That yeah, you did. There's, you know, a lot of carelessness going around. Um, there's, It's more of an intent to, to leave the play on the ground more so than, you know, just play fair footy. And I think someone who's, um, you know, really good at tackling hard and then, but in a, in a, in a respectful manner, is Jamie Lambert. Like, she hits the footy at pace, hits bodies at pace, but never does it to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. 
it's more just I'll bring you to the ground. And she, I think she tackles hard but safely. But across the board, yeah, there's been – I've watched games and, and the umpiring, you know, consistency is just inconsistent. Um, some calls are being made and then you watch a tackle and it's like that 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 is so dangerous or like she's caught her high or that's holding the ball. And I think that plays into it too because it hasn't been consistent across the board which allows yep. tackles to, you know – become harder during the game because umpires aren't calling it. So it's like, well, I'm just going to continue what I'm doing. But if they get put up early, then you kind of change the way you tackle. Yeah, I I, I do think it's an issue. And I think um, a couple more girls will probably get hurt. Mm. Um, and the concussion will come plays in. And yeah, I, we need to, there needs to be more of an emphasis on how to tackle, but also how to be tackled as well and try keep your feet. And that comes down to, you know, having a strong core and, and whatnot, but I think there could be more, um, yeah, emphasis put on how to tackle and how to be tackled. Did you see the Chelsea Randall one? Yes, I did. You brought it up with me, mm. and you have a, I think, a strong opinion about oh, it. I actually kind of like don't because when I first saw it, my initial re- reaction was ball is on the ground between them. It bounces towards uh, I can't remember who the Brisbane player was who got who got hit. But Randall drops her shoulder to sort of make contact, assuming that the Brisbane player will turn her shoulder. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Uh, hits her in in the head, knocks her out of the game. Uh, has taken a step past the ball. Um, the MRO did not even mention it. Like it was clearly something that happened in a high-profile Channel Seven game. They put it mm-hmm. on Twitter, so obviously they would have seen it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not mentioned in the MRO. I think that like I don't think I didn't think she should have got a week just because of how split second it was. Mm-hmm. But when you see something like Presparkus gets a week for carelessness in that regard, but Randall doesn't even get mentioned by the MRO for carelessness in a bump, something that the men's comp has been desperately trying to stamp out, that that didn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Brisbane girl should have turned her shoulder then? Like, is that... Well, I'm not going to tell a footy player how they, yeah. how they should do things, you know, but like, obviously in that kind of situation, it's a split second. I think Randall thought that she would. And then didn't. And but then, she didn't. And then within that time, it's just like, well, I can't really no. open my body up. And did she get pushed by the Brisbane girl behind her? Maybe. I don't think it was enough to to, to change the incident, though. Okay. Like, I think I think Randall was intending to bump to control the space where the ball was. Yeah. Um, and it, what resulted ended up resulting, and it ended up maybe mm-hmm. factoring into the result of the game because Brisbane were a player down. But who knows? The MRO is complete lottery, and I don't have much respect for it. But yeah, here we are. Um, <laughs> elsewhere in news, the fixture. I've got a problem with this. I know that they've got the toughest job in footy right now, and I'm not having a go at them for releasing it weekly. I think that's obviously what they have to do. But when you have a situation where the top teams are all playing each other and the four winless teams are coincidentally playing each other, I think, I think that's bordering on tampering, and I don't, I don't like that. I think you're on the money there with... That because it's a rolling fixture that the AFL can dictate yep. when games are played, who gets a Friday night spot. Like, in it's working to their favour that it's happening like this because they've obviously got a job to make money mm-hmm. and source, you know, and revenue. And yeah, they, it's they can definitely uh, dictate who plays who. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we're playing Melbourne. I probably could have told you that the second we beat North Melbourne, yep. that we were going to play. Melbourne and it's pretty uh, not alarming it's pretty ironic that all of this talk about hey the expansion teams are really struggling right now hey the top teams are so far ahead of the bottom teams and then two weeks later we have two weeks where bottom teams are playing bottom teams and top teams are playing top teams I don't like that and I think we're also seeing a situation where teams are playing teams they were never originally scheduled to play and obviously again that's mostly out of their control but when you've got a situation where like these bottom teams are now playing against each other when they weren't originally scheduled to play against each other at all. And they probably have other Victorian teams who they haven't played yet, who they were scheduled to play against. Like that to me, I I don't like that. And I think, Mm -hmm. I don't think they've thought about that as deeply as what we're thinking about it right now, but I think they should have. I think that's a problem. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what comes of, you know, the next um, half of the season because of, of COVID that's popped up again. Um, And we've had, some extensive meetings with the team and, and I know our delegates have had some team um, some meetings with the FLPA to see what they do in this second half of the season, whether 
teams hub, whether they don't hub, whether it'll be a case of we double up games. Um, that's something that's being floated around. We might have to play Victorian teams again. So you might mm-hmm. see Collingwood versus Carlton again. You might <laughs> see Collingwood versus North Melbourne again. Um, and you'll see repeat games happen, which I'd like, like you said, you don't envy the person in the job at the minute, but either way, it's going to be a lose-lose because the integrity of the game is going to be, you know, toyed with that, you know, if we go into a hub, then two teams go in. So that's not really fair, but, yep. um, and then if we play teams again, you're like, well, that's not fair because, you know, all the interstate teams play and, and Gold Coast have the best Fremantle and Adelaide again, and we don't get a chance to play them and the Victorian teams, you know, Vic is the home of footy, so the teams here are, are stronger than the expansion teams. Um, but I think in my my stance with this is that this year was always going to be different. Yep. Um, and you've just kind of got to roll with it. And I think we should be pretty lucky um, to consider ourselves lucky that we are even playing right now because there's other countries that are in dire straight with COVID and, and nothing's playing or yep. they're playing with no crowds and they have to get – you know, over in England, like the cases are still very, very high, and and that I know the netball season's going ahead, but it's not the same. So I think we're we should be pretty grateful this season's running, and I think, yeah, it's a year of sacrifices again, and just whatever we can do uh, to keep the season rolling is what we need to do. And yeah, like I said, it's a lose lose. Not everyone is going to be happy with how this second half of the the season no. plays out. So what I was hearing yesterday, and Daniel Cherney from the Age went with something pretty similar uh, last night. Basically, and I'm sure um, you're across at the AFLPA meetings and all that yesterday where two teams were asked whether they would be willing to go into a hub, a Victorian, two Victorian teams, and those were North Melbourne and St Kilda. And they were asked whether they would be willing to hub interstate um, to allow the season to sort of roll on a bit further because unfortunately Mark McGowan has decided that everyone in Victoria is toxic and that if they're precious West Australian uh, members were to come into contact with us, something awful will happen. And I think maybe like a nuke would go off in I don't know, a teddy bear factory or something and it would be the end of the world. So, be- dirty. so because Mark McGowan is so, so great at his job, um, we can't interact with West Coast of Frio. So the thought would be North Melbourne and St Kilda go interstate and that allows sort of the season to, to keep on ticking a bit longer. North said no, St Kilda said yes. Um, I believe every other Victorian team said they would be all right with it. Um, we we had to come to a decision yesterday, and um, obviously I, I can't really say anything. No, no, I'm not asking all. you to say yeah, anything, yeah, yeah. but um, that's but just what I've heard. There are teams that um, not everyone's a yes. Um, of course. There was last night there were meetings, but I don't think there's a single team that could go and not lose players. Um, it just depends on how many can't go yeah. um, because obviously we're not full-time in this. So No, and that's the hurdle. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's like it's not like we said. I don't envy the person in the position. Um, I do just wonder how they came up with North and St Kilda. That's the only thing I'm like. Well, yeah, if you've got a team that says yes to going, you think you'd send them? But don't know. I, I, apparently, I know not much, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how they figured that out. But I think we like we're recording today on Wednesday, so I think come the end of the week after games, we should know more, or maybe hopefully even prior. But yep. I think it'll be. Whichever, if we go to a hubbing situation, it'll be play your game, wash your uniform, wash your socks, <laughs> pack a bag and up and go. And they say the hub will last like, you know, a few weeks to get the season undone. But we saw the boys go into the hub and then they ended up being there 100 days. So yep. my, say, my say on this is if you end up going to a hub, then it's going to be a hub for the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's the thing. Finals as well. We know that Fremantle is going to be there. So obviously one the WA factor can't be just ignored. Mm-mm. So how they get this done, I don't know. I don't think you can bring Frio and West Coast here in the off chance that one COVID case pops up or something and then they have to do 14 days of quarantine on, yeah. the, on the other side. Though that probably seems the most logical solution is to have them here. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not um, Travis Older or the fixture <laughs> team. So anyway... There's a lot going on. That's all heavy stuff. We want to get into our season, um, uh, yeah, mid-season <laughs> review with Mel Hickey. But before we do that, questions uh, without notice. Um, I've got a good one for you, Go Chloe. On. How did Scott Gowans feel on Saturday night slash Sunday morning? <laughs> um, I think he felt a bit relieved. Um, I I haven't pers- personally spoken to him, I spoke to him before the game and 
he looked pretty happy afterwards. I mean, not that there's any malice in it, and um, I think he really enjoyed the group of girls there. But I thought the way he went out of North, and he, you know, he was such—he's one of the best head coaches. And then to, you know, be dropped, and now he's part time at Collingwood. And I spoke to him the other day. He's the amount of coaching and work he's doing to make up for the salary he was on is ridiculous. He barely has time to to do anything. So yeah, I think it was a bit relieving for him, and 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 um. Yeah, definitely like bittersweet for him. He obviously has great connection with the girls, but in a way, it was like I've I've, I've moved on, um, and he knew them inside out, and that was you know. I was going to ask. He was very respectful of them, um, and didn't you know didn't come and gossip about everything. <laughs> but he did. He obviously he's been with the group, and they haven't really changed the way they played. So he did have insight knowledge, and um, he was open to sharing that with players who came and asked him. But, yeah, I think one word was probably um, relieved that, you know, yeah, pies have won. It'd be like leaving a team and, and then you end up beating the team you play for. Like, it's always a bit fiery and he obviously can't do anything on the field. But off yep. the field, he, you know, I'm sure he coached his hardest and definitely wanted to win and we did that for him. I think it'll be fair to say we'll be watching North Melbourne very closely. If Darren Crocker and this North team drops away or if they don't, live up to the expectations that many had for them in pre-season, then questions have to be asked as to whether they made the right decision uh, to sack the head coach. I'm not sure you can buy a premiership, but that's my opinion. <laughs> no comment. Mm-hmm. Well, my question for you. Um, are key forwards necessary in the AFRW anymore? That is a great question. That is a very good question. I think that the idea of having a focal point and having a target probably is. Like, but that's also interesting because thinking about it, like who are the most obvious key forwards? Taylor Harris has been playing mostly between the arcs for Carlton. Like Carlton's mm-hmm. deepest forward has been either Elise O'Day or Nicholas Stevens uh, or Darcy Vessio. So Taylor has more been sort of that contested mark on the wing target. Um, I've noticed this year, which has sort of sacrificed her total output for the good of the team. You guys, Collingwood, Jordan Emery's probably your, your most prototypical key forward? Yeah, even, well, Sophie Alexander. Sophie Alexander even, as well. We don't really have a stock standard key mm. forward. Obviously, someone's got to start in the goal square. But, yeah, I, I just thought about the other day. I was like, we don't, I've never, I haven't really seen a short hit-up lead. Like, no. obviously Cunningham for Melbourne, but. Cunningham is probably another one. Yeah, but then Zanker. I think I look at the, the, the teams that have, um, the players that have scored the most goals and they're not key forwards. They're no. more, you're up the ground, running forwards, so. Yeah, a key forward is necessary in there. It's a good point. Izzy Huntington, for me, is the, probably the most influential key forward right now. She's taken nearly double the contested marks of anyone else in the comp, which is quite a stat. Um, and she would be my All-Australian centre-half forward with Gemma Howden, probably. But Gemma Howden's not really a key forward either, is she? No. She's more of a ground ball. And Huntington's been getting the ball up quite uh, yeah. a lot higher. And a She's lot not of... like key forward size as well, is she? No, 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 no. no. So, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they are, but I, I think you would you would rather have one than not. Yeah, I like that your point on you need a vocal down there, like a back. You have an anchor, so if I, forward you want a vocal. But yeah, I was like, I don't know if they're necessary or, or if you change up the terminology and the wording instead of a key forward. So that's my question for you. It's a great question. Um, how much longer could Aaron Phillips play at AFLW level? Cause... <laughs> I've got my next question for you. <laughs> Not that, but similar. Um, I think you could just play her out of the goal square, to for be real? honest. For five years? Yeah, I, honestly, I wouldn't put it past her that she's got another five years in her. It's just whether she wants to go off and, and live a life with her yep. small family. Because um, I, I don't think it'll be a body that stops her. I think it'll be life that stops her. Yeah. Like, she's at an age where, you know, well, this is me being very stereotypical. Um, you know, she's at an age where she wants to go family. She's doing some stuff on the radio. So it's kind of like she's setting herself up for life after footy um, while still being able to play. I think she'll go into a, probably a coaching role afterwards. But to probably put a timeline on her, I, I, I don't know. That woman mm. is just seems like a machine. Like, hypothetically, let's say she just, Tom Brady wants to keep playing. You just play out of the goal square. Yeah. Clearly. Honestly, and you'd be like, flip, just stay in the goal square. Yeah. That's more than okay with us. There's your key forward. Yeah. And then the rest is cover. And, well, speaking of Phillips, my question for you was, is Aaron Phillips still the best player in the comp? I, I don't want to say anything other than, than yes. Uh, she's she's the most influential player 
when the ball is in her area in the competition. Like, I think Ellie Blackburn has been the best player in the comp this year. Like, if you were to go off the probably the 3-2-1 votes, she probably has 11 of 12 or 12 of 12, depending on how you graded uh, last week's game. Mm-hmm. I probably had Karen Paxman best on. But um, she, she, she's a lock for 15 disposals and probably five scoreboard impacts of some variety, whether she's kicking them herself or setting other people up. She's she's unstoppable. No matter where she plays, she's just decided that okay, I'll just be the best center half forward in the game. Like, all right, no worries, no go worries. Ahead. <laughs> Please go ahead. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, isn't it? That she's just still this unstoppable coming off a knee reconstruction as well. Mm-hmm. It's like get old, like <laughs> go away. Um, my question for you: yes. Will you have a particular goal celebration this week when? Assuming you do kick one, you will break the record for most games in a row with a goal. I will do the old double clap. <laughs> Good job, Malloy. You're doing your job. <laughs> um, I don't know. D- is there something you want me to do? Uh, I'm not an expert on goal celebrations because <laughs> I'd, I'd kicked four in my entire footy career. Um, I don't know, but it, that is a true fact. So you and Taylor are currently tied oh. on, I think it's seven okay. games in a row with a goal. Right. So an eighth would, would, would separate you from the pack. Oh, look out. <laughs> well, if we win and kick one, that is a, a bonus. Um, so no handballing this week. <laughs> You've done too many handballs. No handballs. Um, I don't know. I'd, if anyone wants me to do a particular celebration, <laughs> I mean, you can um, what, pitch it to me. And if I choose to do it, I choose to do it. I Go on, double cobra. Double cobra. I don't have the biceps <laughs> for it, though. I really don't. But I don't know. Open to suggestions. If I take them, um, I can't promise anything, but I actually think it'd be quite intriguing to see what people come up with. So shoot me shoot me a celebration. <laughs> um, my question for you. Yes. Will Richmond win a game? That's is a this question. the week they win a game? This is really weird. They are re- like, I gamble responsibly. This isn't a betting thing. <laughs> if you look at the odds, they are really, really short favorites to beat Geelong this week. Like, like really short, like. Geelong are like $2.90 or something yeah. and Richmond are like $1.40. That, that makes sense. I think they will win, but I wouldn't have that much confidence in it. Yeah, I I think they're on their, their way. Like when we played and we looked back at the stats and if you go off the stats, they actually, I mean, they did get quite close to us, um, closer than mm. we probably liked. You know, they're winning, they're winning quarters. They're just... Yeah, they're winning quarters. That's exactly that's, it, isn't it? So, yeah, but... Is, is this weekend the game they win, or is I'm tipping Geelong. I, I th- though that's a hard one because they were really good on the weekend. Mm-hmm. They played two and a half really good quarters against Carlton. They lapsed for a quarter, and Maddie Prasparkis just decided that no, Carlton's not losing this game. Mm-hmm. And I think she has something like three center clearances and kicked two goals in like 15 minutes. Yeah, and Richmond just has these lapses where they just they go into their shell mm-hmm. and teams put a hurting on them. And I still don't think they've worked out their forward dynamic. A lot of their goals against Carlton sort of came from fluky situations where they, they were winning the ball forward, so good on them. But there wasn't like your sort of direct forward play yeah. that resulted in the goals. Forcing Brennan to come up high up the ground, and she she's one you want facing because, mm. like, I'm just going to call her out. Sabs needs to do more than what she's doing at the moment. I think she's kicked a single goal for no, Richmond. I didn't notice her once. Uh, I, I just would want to see her lift so Brennan doesn't have to do all the work of the forward. Courtney Wakefield, I I think I love her. Her hands Fantastic. are amazing. Um, but yet she can't do it all either. No. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm tipping Geelong too. And I think maybe the Richmond Carlton game was a case of you lift to the standard of the team you're playing. Right. Like Carlton made Richmond better because you know they they are good footballers. The Richmond mm. Richmond Football Club. They they just can't string it together. So I think playing against Carlton, they lifted a bit. And I think Geelong will just make it a scrappy game. Um, I think Meg McDonald will probably have a few intercept marks because Richmond seem yeah. to just like long down the line and she'll just read that. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I just think the midfield are going to cause hell with those kids in there. Like, it'll just be crash and bash. So, I, yeah, I don't think Richmond get their first win this weekend. I think you either. raise a good point with Sabrina. I don't think she's in their best team. I think their best forward line... Like, why isn't Christina Bernardi in this team? Like, I know she has, she isn't as like isn't having the impact that she had in her last year at Collingwood where I thought she was probably in the 10 or 15 most influential plays in the comp in that back half of that season but for her to not be in this team 
and for you to play three key forwards and one of them is just completely missing. Um, I thought because I thought Katie Brennan played her best AFLW game period on the weekend. That was a great captain's game. She, she was incredible. I wanted to kick that set shot so bad. I, I actually really wanted it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I wanted it so bad for her because yeah, it, it was a good captain's game. It from was her. A, it was a classic VWFL. Brennan Vessio showdown, yeah. which was, yeah, it was so good to be Battle there. Battle of the Darabin girls, actually. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it reminded me, Vessio up the other end, it reminded me of a day at Windy Hill where she kicked nine. Mm-hmm. I think she kicked the first nine goals of the game. And it was just like, what the hell, what the hell is going on? <laughs> no one can, no one can stop her. Yeah. And yeah, when, when she gets that sniff playing as a key forward and Taylor pushed right up the ground and opened yeah. up, they clearly like the Vessio matchup and. I think she took something like six marks inside 50, which is just like above her head. She's so strong. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's a a good point. Um, My last question for you is which we've just spoken about Richmond and Geelong, but which of the four winless teams do you Mm -hmm. think has the highest upside? Maybe even not even necessarily this season, but long term. So who are the four winless at the minute? It's Geelong, Richmond, West Coast and Gold Coast. West Coast and Gold Coast. I think Geelong for me. Um, I'm a big fan of them. I just there's something down in Geelong that you know, it's it'll just take you know one game for them to click and they'll know how to play and um, yeah, I think they've got their biggest upside. Their their young list and Morrison coming back in makes a massive impact yep. for them because you know when a player like that is injected back into the side, it just kind of somehow lifts everyone. Um, they've just got to sort their forward line out. Yep. Um, and they just need, you know, Phoebe McWilliams came across from GWS and when she was at GWS, she was quite that dangerous forward that let up the footy. She was a bit pacey. She took marks that, you know, some people couldn't ever take. Uh, they were freak marks. Um, she just hasn't done that at Geelong, but I just think that's because of the delivery inside forward. Right. There's just no one... There's no, there's no one that makes defenders, you know, shake in their boots, so to say, yep. um, which means that the defenders can be a bit more attacking, run off. There's just not a confidence in the forward line yep. yet, um, because I think your backs are good with Meg McDonald leading the ship there. Your, your kids, that'll just come. That that that's just time. T- that's time in there for them to get to know each other, playing in the women's game against big bodies. That'll just come. Um, it's just they need to sort their forward line out, and I think they could be quite a quality yep. side. Speaking of forwards who have probably had poor seasons, Rochelle Cranston hasn't really done anything this year just yet. She bobbed up a few times on the weekend, but hasn't had a stand, a year to the standard we expect from her. Hasn't been the Melbourne Rocky that we, no. we once saw. Um, but yeah, you're right. That Geelong forward line needs to... Uh, well, there's a lot of veterans in there. And I think you've got Stephanie Williams and you've got uh, that Rising Star nominee whose name escapes me this week. But um, they've got they've got a couple of nice kids there. But yeah, you're right. The... This could be a, this could be quite a low scoring game on Friday night. Um, yes. Down in Geelong, uh, wet conditions, and you can hear that game on SEN um, from I assume seven o'clock. I don't know. That's off the top of my head, but I know we're doing <laughs> the game, so you can hear that game then. Um, but yeah, have you got any others? Or? Nah, that's 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 all. I mean, oh, my question for you is: Will will the will the baggers get up this weekend? God, without Prasparkas, no. Mm-hmm. Carlton's reliance on her in the midfield is still absolute. Like. O'Day has come in, and I really like how they've used her. They've used her as either loose in defence mm-hmm. or as as a as a forward. She basically plays in the same end of the ground, eighty five percent of the game and fifteen percent in the midfield, and I think it's worked. Her, her as that loose defender has actually been quite effective. But she's not the midfielder that I hoped she would be. Grace Egan has gotten has had two strong weeks after a slow start. Abby Mackay and Mimi Hill are, are kids. They. They're still learning. Mm-hmm. They're they're still trying to find their feet. Katie Loins was rested this week. I assume she'd be the straight swap for Prasparkas if if she's out. But I don't think the Carlton midfield can go any, can go anywhere near this North Melbourne midfield without her. Yeah. I think it's going to be a brutal game. Like yep. I know playing against Carlton, and that might just be the Carlton Collingwood feud. But as we saw with Prasparkas, they Carlton hit the ball and hit bodies hard, and so yeah. did North. And I think after the North, uh, a team like North Melbourne, I don't believe play they won't take that loss against us very lightly at all yep um so yeah i like i would keep your eye on the first midfield contest yep and obviously we've almost given carlton a blueprint on how to beat north melbourne and carlton have a very similar game style to us yep 
and we saw that it worked. When if you can execute it, it works against North Melbourne. And it wasn't that North Melbourne didn't show up. No, they just didn't have any answers for what we were. That's the exactly foot, what kind I of footy say, we yeah. were playing. Um, so the blueprints there. I just think North Melbourne will probably be a bit, bit harder this week because they don't take a a, a goalless game no. very lightly. And the question is whether you can do the same game plan at University of Tasmania Stadium as you could do under the roof at Marvel because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be one of those probably blustery, weird Tassie games where it's four degrees and like, in, you know, you can't move the ball the same way you can at Icon or, or Marvel. Yeah. So that'll be it. If, if the Blues can play that sort of keepings off, attack off half-back game, because the back line is settled now. Gab Pound has made a huge difference, but mm-hmm. I don't know whether I don't know whether they, they'll have the the midfield control to sort of ha- have any say if Chris Marcus doesn't get off. But I'll, I'll be tipping North, so. <laughs> and that is massive. Oh, hey, I, I tipped Collingwood round one. Yeah, fair. And That's fair. So you, you're a good tipper because you're not biased when it comes to tipping. No, no. I, you, you you state the facts. When you're, when you're a Carlton supporter, you grow up knowing you're going to be tipping against your club every week. So <laughs> there's no bias here. And I tipped Collingwood to beat North, and I would have said it on the podcast, but we didn't have one. So. Oh, yes. Okay, I'll take that. But I put it on Twitter, so it's it's out there. And just for the listeners, he spelt North with an F. With an F. N-O-R. Pie smack North. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it is. when you, when 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 It's North or North, depending on how <laughs> what, what, what mode they're in. But um, shall we get to Melissa Higgy? We shall, and we have her on the line now. And on the show today, we have Mel Hickey, who is a trailblazer for the AFLW, who started off at Melbourne, was amongst all the exhibition games and really got the AFLW League started up. Um, Mel, how are you this morning? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you guys? We are well. Going well. Is there a dog in the background or something? <laughs> Going early. Yes, there is. Little Evie. Um, she's a little gold retriever cross-pointer, oh. so I've come to um, dog-sit her and, and give her some lunch soon. But she's um lucky she's cute because she's a bit cheeky. Oh, I'm jealous. And I could talk <laughs> about dogs and puppies all day, but we are here to talk footy. Um, my first question for you, and it's probably a big one off the bat, is how have you found the game, the quality of the game since um, you left it? Obviously, you've been um, there since the start of it all and, and now watching from the sidelines. How have you found the quality? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Um, what are your thoughts? Oh, I think we, we could say it's definitely consistently got better um, this season. You know, even from round one, we obviously normally allow teams a, a few weeks to, to warm into the season, especially the Victorian side that, you know, they've not played a lot of footy over the last 12 months. But the, the standard has just um, increased, I guess, you know, the change of possession, the quality of ball movement, you know, that's obviously translating to, to goals and, and scoring. Um, and even just that, that scoring accuracy seems to have gone up consistently across the board um, this year. I mean, there's, there's obviously the outliers, but I think it's just been, um, yeah, a fantastic season already. What do you reckon, Claire? I mean, being out there, do you think the, the game is faster than it was 12 yep. months ago? I think Mel hit, hit the nail on the head. The scoring, the games, are, besides it, of course, there's going to be some outliers. But, yeah, scoring has definitely increased um, considering the you know time quarters haven't changed. Um, and I thought I thought it was inevitable, Mel, that we were going to get better. It just needed a bit of breathing space because um, it's five years now, and it's pretty it's pretty exciting to see where the league is going. And um, I'm pretty sure, as much as you'd love to be out there, you're enjoying watching, you know, Melbourne and and the Geelong side. Um, speaking on Geelong, what what what's happening at that camp? Do you think? <laughs> Oh, they've they've probably been one of the more frustrating sides to watch. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not sure. There just seems to be a lack of connection probably across the ground. And um, I guess there's a little bit of a, I guess from an outsider's point of view, not really understanding their, their attacking method and, and how they're going about it, um, you know, the way they want to move the ball. I think they're, they're leading the comp in long kicks. So, um yeah, I'm not sure that's sort of part of the, the women's game now with, with the quality and the skill level. Um, just that long kick down the line, I think we've we've gone past that. So, yeah, plenty of improvement. I mean, they've they've started some games well, but have, have sort of um, not been able to put that, that on the scoreboard. And inevitably, the pressure keeps keeps increasing as the game goes on and you can't score. Um, yeah, so I'm just sort of seeing, I guess, that lack of connection across the lines um, as the sort of main thing standing out. Uh, do you think we'll see Nina Morrison at all this year? Yeah, I've um, caught up with Nina a few times. And, yeah, I think she's hoping to probably obviously towards the, the tail end of the, 
the year. She's had, now had two ACLs and mm. um, I think she's not even 21 yet. So I think they're, they're obviously taking their time um, with this one. And uh, I think she's hoping to go back through the VFLW and, and get a couple of games in there first and, and then play. But yeah, I think they're not in any rush um, with Nina. And she's a, yeah, she's a supreme athlete. I know she's been doing absolutely everything she can, but um, I think it's just a, a bit of time um, with her rather than anything else. Looking back at the season overall, um, who has surprised you most from a from a positive standpoint? Like which team has has sort of caught you off guard and been better than than you maybe thought they would be? Yeah, probably um, the Bulldogs. You know, more recently have, have definitely um, I guess surprised a few sides, particularly Melbourne on the weekend. That was um, sometimes it's hard when when you get these rivalry games. Everyone, a few players can grow a few few extra um, centimeters in those games. Um, but they've been really good the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Chloe's pies, um, I don't know, they always seem to go a little bit under the radar recently in particular. But, um, you know, you can see they've had that consistent group together now that have had a, a few pre-seasons. And, um, you know, your, your coach obviously seems to have you playing to your strengths as a side as well. Um, you know, I love it when a team beats the Kangaroos. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have been really impressive as well. Um, they're probably the two... Two main ones that, that mm. stand out for me. Oh, well, thank you. Um, what do you reckon, Clark? Yeah, I, I actually think we do go under the radar um, <laughs> a little bit. But, yeah, the doggies, um, especially Allie Blackburn, for me, um, speaking individual, she's really put that team on her shoulders and it just looks like they're just kind of following her. Um, she's leading that shit very well, very, very well. And, yeah, I like that the pies are flying under the radar. We can stay there. I don't mind that. They're only um, flying under the radar because no one listens to I don't know no if you're under the radar now. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Just earlier. Not, uh, <laughs> um, but p- opposite to, to that question, I guess, and we don't like to use this word, but what's been the biggest disappointment? Um, that can be team-wise or kind of the first thing that jumps to mind. Uh, yeah, I guess my mind goes to teams. And, you know, Carlton was someone I had tipped um, – you know, to win the premiership to go all the way, that they've obviously started off pretty slow, and um, yeah, they're a team you, you can't ever discount because of the quality that they've got in their side. And I just thought with Elise O'Day coming into that mix, that they would would go a lot further. Obviously, they had you know some pretty significant injuries in those first few rounds to you know key players like Gab Pound and mm. um, Lucy McAvoy, which which obviously impacted um, you know how the, the team looked. But yeah, I think. For me, you know, I'm sure they'll continue to improve across the season, but they're, they're not quite up there as I expected them to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe because it's closer to home. But, yeah, Geelong have been pretty disappointing for me, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I, I hope they'll string it together. And um, they've obviously got Richmond Friday night, which will, um, might be the battle for the win <laughs> potentially. But <laughs> both sides will be really keen. Um, but, yeah, they're probably the main things that, um, that I've had written down. What about you guys? Yeah, it's yeah. a fair point. I, I I can't disagree. I'm I'm a Carlton supporter, Mel, and there's no there's no hiding of the bias on on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I think I did know that from yeah. listening to previous <laughs> previous episodes. Um, yeah, Car- Carlton for me, I think what we've learned so far this season is that they are probably the seventh or eighth best team in the comp. Like there's there's the top four or five, and then there's sort of that St Kilda, Carlton, Bulldogs middle pack, and then there's there's the teams underneath, but yeah, I mean, do you think like this game, Carlton and North Melbourne on, on Saturday night, both teams two and two, it's a nine week season. Is it, is it basically season over if you're two and three and two games out of the eight? Well, yeah, you, you maybe you are. It's so hard because I guess we, we kind of get this false sense of security when, when teams play each other, that that sort of means that they're above them. But um, I'm not sure it's that simplistic like obviously the game on the weekend, Brisbane versus Crows. I'm I'm not sure the Crows are necessarily a better side than Brisbane, and we'll, we'll go further. But um, you know, if you turn up on the day and you're you're a little bit more switched on, um, yeah, you can sometimes just get a false sense. Even like Melbourne beating um, Bulldogs beating Melbourne on the weekend. I, I don't necessarily think Bulldogs are a better side than Melbourne, but um, yeah, I'm not even sure I answered your question there. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> What, what was your biggest disappointment, Chloe? I mean, if you have one that comes to mind. Oh, biggest disappointment. Um, yeah, I'll have to jump on the back of Carlton. Like, I remember all the hype <laughs> behind them. Um, and, you know, I've got a couple of Carlton friends that probably won't like to hear that, especially Pont sitting across the microphone here. Um, 
And, you, you know, Mal, you can never use injuries as an excuse because you need to have a, a solid list and just because one player's down doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be a quality side still. So, yeah, just the way they've started um, the season, um, obviously the loss to us, um, yeah, just a lot of hype built around a team that mm. ha- kind of hasn't stood up to it just yet. And, I mean, you know, we could be proven wrong and I'd love to be proven wrong in this second half of the season um, which is bizarre to say because it feels like it's only just started. It but blink and it's gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, and on your catters, like, you know, they've been around only only sh- for a short moment um, if you compare it to the teams that have been around for since the beginning, the inaugural season. So I am a really, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Geelong. I think they've got something great down there in the culture. And you could probably harp on that, Mel, is that they have a very good culture and it's just not coming together. But I don't think you can rule them out from, you know, possibly one day being a very, very good side because it's not like they've got a team of superstars. They've just got like a superstar team that just is yet to gel um, because they were one of those expansion sides um, that you captain actually. So, yeah, that Carlton would have to be my biggest disappointment. Mm-hmm. I would guess I was just protecting your cats there <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, you know, we, we sometimes forget how young their group is. Mm-hmm. There was obviously a couple of us older, um, more experienced players that came in. But the, the core group really is, is that, um, yeah, that young crop of players. And as you said, Chloe, I think there'll be a team, you know, of the next five years, um, you know, really to watch. And the more, if you probably look at the, the age of, of that midfield group, take out after a quarter, um, <laughs> yeah, they're probably all sort of averaging the low tw- um, 20s. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm a bit hard on them. Yeah, but I, I think, um, yeah, just the more time those those girls can have together as a group, they're just only going to get stronger. It's probably not a disappointment. It's probably more a frustration. But Melbourne, like, God, what a start to the year. They've, they've rebuilt their list overnight. It's worked. They've knocked off North. And then they did the most Melbourne thing possible and kicked two goals, 12, <laughs> and lose a game. Like, how frustrating is that as someone who's just invested in the team? Oh, I know. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me. Um, no. You know, it's... It, it was something I guess we we thought or hoped that Melbourne had sort of kicked off this year. Their um, you know inaccurate scoring just cost you so much. Um, you know that that affected Adelaide the other week against Freo as well. It's mm. just um, yeah, it is a very Melbourne thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but you know they'll bounce back. They they've um, got such quality players across all their lines. Um, again, not not allowing injuries. But Kate Hall is a pretty significant out to their their forward. Um, Construction dynamic, yeah, and they're just a quality ball user. She's not kicking them; she's she's setting up players and bringing them into the game. So, um, yeah, I still think they'll be they'll go well through, um, you know, towards the potentially even the grand final, Melbourne. So maybe just a minor slip up that they needed <laughs> to get rid of some complacencies, maybe. Well, hopefully they can rectify themselves this weekend um, against us, and I'm sure it'll be a good <laughs> hit out between us two. But Speaking of this, like the young talent that you've got at Geelong, how have you found the, the draftees this year coming in? Have they made an impact like, I guess, the previous um, draftees have? So like Presparkis, um, Huntington, Patrikios, um, those kind of names that Molly. came in. I was not going to say myself. <laughs> the players that have come in and really made an impact on the league. Um, do you think the that the draft crop this year has done the same or, or COVID's really been a big um, impact on that? Yeah, probably been a bit of a mixed bag. Like, um, obviously, Jess Fitzgerald has, has had an incredible couple of weeks and you can just see, you know, the, the class that she oozes when she's on the ground and just, mm. you know, the other way against the Geelong, just to look around, realise she had had the ability to burn her opponent and kick it from sort of 40 metres out um, was just elite, you know. I think um, if she's doing that and she's 18, um, yeah, we're in we're in good shape for, for AFLW for the next 10 years. Um, I guess I'm trying to think of who else. Ellie McKenzie's obviously showing oh, yeah. some really nice signs. Um, again, just, just class. Um, I'm trying to think who else is Tia- drafted. Tiana Smith from um, St Kilda, I guess, has, has probably been the... Yeah. Would she be the rising star yeah. favourite right now or would it be one of the top two, Fitzgerald McKenzie? Um, yeah, I mean, I must say I, I saw her on the weekend and... Similar, just that the decision making under pressure at, at, at that age is just um, mm. it just astounds me, um, and just the the ability to, you know, effective disposal, um, yeah, just beyond her years. I think she'd probably be leading. So yeah, 
um, I guess, you know, Huntington took a few seasons to come along. You know, even Gabby Newton from last year, we probably haven't seen her really hit her strides yet. Everyone's a little bit different in terms of their development. And um, again, you know, maybe on whether they had a lot of time playing senior footy before or um, a lot of those girls obviously missed out on some VFLW games last winter. So that that's potentially impacted them. But I think they've they've been, um, yeah, no, coming really strong, the ones that have been given an opportunity to. Who would you say um, biggest improver in the league? It's obviously one of those things with AFLW. Everyone is naturally getting better every year. Well, the majority of players are, but there's always those who stand out from the pack. I wrote something for for the SEN website, just sort of highlighting a, a few players, ten players who um, who I thought had gone to another level this year. But is there anyone who has sort of stood out to you as someone who you think has really made a noticeable jump? Well, I never know how to pronounce this surname. But it's one of your teammates, um, Chloe Ruby. <laughs> Give us a how does this go? No, I'm not going to do it. Friend of the podcast. Number 18, friend yep. of the pod. Um, yeah, I think she's she's been um, phenomenal after halfback, um, you know, her intercept possessions and then that booming kick to, to set up you guys into really attacking plays. I think, um, yeah, she's really impressed me. Probably stood out as one of the biggest improvers. Um, I know Brittany, she's also, you know, she's not someone that... Um, has ever been a a bad footballer or an average footballer, but she's obviously taken her game to the next level um, this year, which is which is awesome to see. Um, you know, another one that's probably more experienced, Ellie Blackburn's probably oh, yeah. resumed yeah. her All Australian form this year. Um, they obviously had a really significant blow to their their midfield group a couple of years ago, losing Carney and Brennan and Conti. Um, so no doubt she sort of was impacted by that last season um so yeah they've obviously been able to develop a bit more chemistry in there and she's spending probably a bit more time pushing up forward and being more attacking and you know mids that are giving you one or two goals a a game are are just um yeah worth their waiting goals so they've probably been um a couple of standouts to me and speaking on the back of Blackburn I definitely have to agree with that she has taken that like I said before she's put that team on her shoulders and um, I guess she kind of flies under the radar a little bit. I think she's one yep. of the only midfielders to have a scoreboard impact nearly every game. Um, but speaking of her, who who wins the MVP or the best and fairest from here? Um, do you think, without giving too much away, as you're on the All-Australian selection panel? <laughs> um, was this the one that the umpires do? Yes. Yeah, well, then... Who knows? <laughs> oh, Thank you. Honestly, yeah. Thank you. That is exactly my That's opinion. That's a great answer. Okay, let's go um, AFLPA MVP or coaches, yeah, one, the yeah, one yeah. that actually matters. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Kiara Bowers, sometimes mm-hmm. we forget the, the Western Australian girls a little bit. I know I haven't seen a lot of their games this year, but, um, you know, all the talk is she just her two-way running, her ability to get back um, and support the defence, um, you know, obviously a tackling and then I think she's impacted the court a little bit more this season as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, haven't looked, as I said, I haven't seen a lot of them. But, um, yeah, she's just incredible. Her ability to cover the ground and, and just get to, to so many contests. Um, I think she'll be up there. Elise Park has mm. obviously been really yeah. dominant in a team that, that probably hasn't um, dominated. So that's always the, the question. Are they going to kind of get consistently at least one or two votes every game, mm-hmm. um, even in a losing side. Um, and probably someone, yeah, that isn't not necessarily going to have that many other players for stealing votes from her. Um, I think she's leading the comp in disposals at the moment. Um, just a, yeah, also just a ball magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Brie Davey would no doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then you Spencer speak about... And, and st- again, Ellie Blackburn. Yeah. <laughs> stealing the votes, though, I think that's what's going to shoot... You know, Davy in the yeah. fourth. Correct. I mean, yeah. a team like that, um, yeah, like stealing votes is the biggest thing. And like when you brought up Parker, I was like, oh, I just forgot about her because she, yeah, in in losing side, but you know, she is just everywhere on the ground. She actually here's a stat for you. She leads her team in inside fifties and rebound fifties. So that's a great stat. She is everywhere, literally everywhere. Um, yeah, amazing. But yeah, Davy, I think will have votes stolen off her mm. from. Brunici, Lambert. Malloy. 
Yeah. You got two on the weekend, I reckon. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good point because <laughs> Paxman like, and obviously yeah, Paxman's pa- also well. a really good one because yes. she probably stands out with the umpiring as well with yeah. the with the mullet as well. So um, <laughs> the Moulet is definitely Moulet. helping her. Yeah, the, those players like we saw with Prasparkis last year, who somehow polled three votes in every single Carlton win, and as someone who watches those Carlton games very closely, even that that's that was a bit much. But yeah, the, as you said, the umpires are. are <laughs> We don't really know what they're doing in terms of votes wise, but um, Erin Phillips as well. Like, she's just what decided to be the best full forward in the game like, <laughs> overnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. It still um, astounds me how teams don't really like. She obviously starts in the middle, and she can kind of lose her her um, direct opponent because she floats forward. And if you don't have a you know a key defender matching up on her, she's so strong in the air. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she she really finds a way to to be able to lose an opponent and is given that license to float forward. So I don't know. I'm sure, hopefully teams will Figure switch onto that a bit earlier. But yeah, she's obviously incredible and just um, even you know the way I see you play, Chloe. She's just so confident. You just see she's she's so happy to take it on and mm. she doesn't care if she gets caught or makes a mistake. Um, you know, and, and most often she doesn't um, and just turns something into magic. So I think we're just um, I just feel very pleased that I get to sit back and watch her. <laughs> so you're on the All-Australian selection panel. Congratulations on that, by the way. Yes, massive congratulations. Um, I tried to yeah, do... I, I actually don't have to do anything to get onto that. So oh, lovely. I was going to ask, what's the whole process? Do you, do you just have to get a certain number of Instagram followers? Do you need to get a blue yeah. peak? What's like, the threshold? The... I'm not sure that that's much of um, an impact. Um, I think because of, um, obviously, the commentary and stuff I'm doing this year, they, they thought that I'd be watching quite a few games and maybe because I've played a couple of games in my career, they've thought that I might have a little bit of an insight. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, we're we're glad (laughs) you're on. I wanted to do it. It sounds pretty cool. Um, I had (laughs) a go at at building the team yesterday and God, good, uh, honestly, good luck. Um, I feel like the back line, there's not a great deal of standouts other than probably Schleicher, Livingston, Lutkins, maybe Cuthbertson from Frio. The forward line probably picks itself where you got uh, C. Malloy, Huntington, Houghton, Phillips, and then you can pick uh, the your fair share of, of Brisbane forwards. The midfield, though, how, how oh. on earth do you pick this midfield? <laughs> Good luck. So I've got at the moment, I, I've I've had the I've already spoken to Steph Giotti and a few other wings. I've told them I'm sorry, I can't get any wings into this team. <laughs> Bowers, Patrikios, Prasparkas, Paxman, Parker, Benici, Conti, Garner, they all have to be in there, and that's not even including Jamie Lambert. That's not including. Uh, Emma Carney, uh, Just, yeah, like, like how, how do you do this? <laughs> well, hopefully, a couple of them fade away towards the end of, end of the season. It makes my job easier. But I think um, I can tell you straight off, we won't be putting any mids in the forward line or sneaking them off a half back because that Good. absolutely irks me. So um, we try to keep people in their positions as much as we can. Good, but I, I think they that. do it where it's you know they select five backs, five mids. Oh four mids, um, five forwards hmm. rather than specific positions. So I, I do like that. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think we're meeting uh, next week to sort of do a bit of a mid-season review um, with the All-Australian Selection Group. So, um, you know, we'll have a bit of a chat about who's in the mix. And as I said, hopefully people um, select themselves for the second <laughs> half of the year and make my job easier. Select themselves or fade off. <laughs> yeah, so snag a few more, Chloe. We'll I'll try my best. I will do my best. <laughs> um, we'll speak, like, if you could pick three players from the, the competition right now to build um, your team upon for the next five years, is there any three that jump to mind? And I'm going to talk slower so it gives you a bit more time to think. So but if you, basically, this conversation this came from just, yeah. This conversation came from uh, an SEN topic last week where they were talking about sort of three players you would get first at an auction. And they were talking about the men's comp, so we wanted to steal that and use that for AFLW. So like, basically, if you're building a team from scratch and could have any three players to build around, that's like they have to be current, current players, current yep. players. Um, who who would you take? Yeah, I mean, this is so hard. How old Bree Davy just off the top? Twenty three, you know, Chloe. Oh no, twenty four. Yeah, wow. oh. sure. Is she? Or maybe I'm just... Oh, we're doing this in real time. 26. Ma- yeah. Oh, f- gosh. I'm a good... 21? Owner. 26. Okay. Gosh, so she's was... still a couple of better years in her. All right. Well, I'm chucking Brie Dave in there for sure. You can put her back, middle, forward, um, whatever you need. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> um, do you know what? I really like Patricios. Um, mm. Just such a quality ball user. Obviously accumulates them. Um, right, Davey Patricios. You got one more. How old are you, Chloe? I'm 22 years old. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> That's my truth. <laughs> Again, your versatility and, um, yeah, like I said, love the way you take on the game and um, just that confidence to take people on if you want to or go back and swap the shot. I think um, something I could build a team off. So I'll go <laughs> those three. Oh, you're way but too kind. To be honest, I probably, I probably need to spend another hour on that. Yeah, correct. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tough it's question. It's an amazing – yeah. There's too probably, many. As a, as a defender, I really should – I started as a defender. I started as a defender. Yeah, well, that's the, I like the flexibility. Mm. Pop you back there if we need to plug a hole. Or... Just, just go back, my like, yeah, 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 no worries. I, I went. Um... And luckily, Erin Phillips is nearly forty, so <laughs> true. Next that, five years. Yeah. I mean, she probably could could keep playing because she's fifty, knowing her. But um, <laughs> do a Tom Brady on us, but. <laughs> Um, we'll yeah, stick with the young ones. I, I went. Yeah. I went Chloe. I went Izzy Huntington, and I went Prasparkas. So oh, same, Huntington's good. Same sort of thing where you got that versatility. You got those those natural key forwards. You got an on ball and had to sneak a Carlton player in there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I nearly got Georgia G in there, but not not. Uh, she was fourth, I think. Um, who would you go, Chloe? Oh, I didn't expect this question to come <laughs> well, back to me. It's got to come back around. Um, Lauren Pierce. For me, interesting because she's young, and I yeah. think she's actually yeah. like some of the things I saw her do against North Melbourne. I just like there is not, I don't know, an, a single ruckman out there that could do what she could do. So I'd have Pierce, um, oh, I'd probably go Davy as well. Um, I think she's just a player that once she's got hand, you know, the footy in hand, that she can something nine out of ten times something comes of it. and um, she could get the same amount of um, touches as someone else, but yet do something with it every time. Um, and the third player. <laughs> it's Gosh. a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> um, Gemma Houghton. Ooh, interesting. I'll go those three. <laughs> so before we let you go, um, obviously there's one obviously big question left unanswered. Who wins the flag from here? Oh, my Lord. It's <laughs> actually so hard. Mm. Oh my lord! <laughs> I think it's between Creo, Collingwood, and Melbourne. Yep. This stage, um, a lot still to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't see my fence, can I? All right, <laughs> I'm going to say Melbourne wins it. Oh wow! Is that right? Grand final at Casey Fields. God, I hope not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're all on the oh, same page here then. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going Frio, but on the caveat that they can play in Western Australia come finals. If they have to hub in Melbourne, I don't think they beat Collingwood, Melbourne, or any of those teams. But um, yeah. So thank you very much for, for giving us some of your time, Mel. Um, we, uh, we obviously wanted to get a nice mid-season review out of the way before we head into the back half of the year. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're most welcome. Thanks for the chat, guys. Love Thank it. you, Mel. Enjoy your selection with the, the All-Australian. Enjoy puppy sitting and enjoy life after <laughs> footy. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. See you, Mel. Well, that was Melissa Hickey there. Um, fantastic insights from from a, a player who's just exited the game. That's the kind of that's the kind of voice we need in the AFLW media, I think. Yourself did great on Sunday. Thank you in, very in much, the, fun. In the West Coast GWS game, I nearly said Brisbane again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Actually, big <laughs> thank you. Pont helped me with my commentary. He gave me, he fed me some stats and some very, very good insight into that game. So thank you, Pont. And including I gave you an extra page on Brisbane when I thought it was a West Coast And that was game. great. I Come needed on. that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you play Brisbane soon so you can use it. I'll use it against them, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, M- M- Melissa Hickey, Daniel Harford, I think we're getting a lot of smart voices in AFL uh, commentary boxes. Kate McCarthy, there's someone else who keeps escaping me. Ellie Blackburn and Izzy Izzy's Hunting been doing been, some as well. Izzy's an absolute superstar on and off the field. Um, so we're seeing that go to another level, I reckon. Which I, I think it's great. Why not get the players yes. to have an insight like... And not only do they get their insight, they get training, they get they learn how to do it. So when they finish their careers, they have that pathway. So mm-hmm. that's great. 
Um, but thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Boundary AFLW podcast. If you've made it this far in the show, please tweet us and let us know. Um, Chloe owes a lot of coffees. I know. Every time I, International coffees too, International, apparently. Yeah, true. Um, but good luck with Melbourne this week. Thank you very much. Good luck with North. <laughs> I'll do my best from, from <laughs> my couch. Um, and thank you very much for listening. And ho- we hope your team wins on the weekend. Except if you're a Melbourne fan. All right. Over and out. Thank you. Bye. Or a North fan. <laughs>